Red Shirts listeners, this is Matthew Betts, host of the show. Hey, if you like our podcast, be sure to check out the Ball Blast podcast with Kate and Michelle Majuk, good friends of the show. They put out a great product, and sure enough, if you like our show, you're going to like theirs too. So check it out. You can find them anywhere you get your podcast and on Twitter at BallBlastFB. Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, John Helmkamp, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. What is up, listeners and viewers on YouTube? Welcome back in to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. It is another fantastic show planned for you all because we're talking running backs once again here, if you missed the last episode, man, you missed out. We talked about our top 12 running back rankings. Uh, it was John's birthday on the it show. Was. Things got weird. I didn't even wear pants yeah. for that show. I mean, just go go listen. Check it out. Obviously, you should watch that on YouTube because if you're not, fellas, you're doing yeah. it wrong, of course. Um, but boys, we're talking about our top 24 tonight, getting into running backs 13 to 24. Still very valuable fantasy assets. And I think the discussion is going to be really important here because... These are the players to hit on in your draft. It's easy to tell people to draft Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. These are the players that it, it takes um, some homework to hit on and it takes some skill. So hopefully we can do that tonight. I'm joined by two of the best fantasy oh, analysts in the it. industry, Matt Okada and John Helmkamp. Boys, how are we on this fine? Uh, this is Wednesday evening. Is it? Uh, well, I did believe that uh, we were two of the best, but then I saw John losing this uh, poll on Twitter to some oh. other Twitter guy that I've never even heard of. So <laughs> I'm not so sure anymore. You know, it's awesome. It, yeah, I'm in this. I'm in this little uh, rental right now, and right above the sink is a framed picture that just says "toast," and I just feel like what? that's basically what Okada <laughs> just turned me into uh, with that lovely uh. little comment. So I think I need that actually, and I just need to hang it like right over my shoulder, and it just says "toast" whenever we're recording. Does that at least yes, have please. a picture of a toast? Yeah, no, a toaster. It's a picture toast. of a toaster with the word "toast." Oh wow! Yeah, it's it's pretty lovely. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, very Art Deco, if you will. Uh, it's pretty pretty mm. phenomenal. So, yeah, love it. Um, yes, you can find us on Twitter. I recommend doing that, interacting with us there at RetroFFPod. You can find me at the Fantasy PT. Okada is at Matt Okada, and John is at Dynasty Toaster uh, or Dynasty Toast. I'm not sure. He hasn't changed his name yet, but he will. No, just kidding. It's Dynasty Beard. Uh, come check us out there. Interact with us. You'll find a lot of polls, uh, questions, trivia. John put up an interesting trivia post today about Jarvis Landry. Um, so check that out. Good stuff there as well as on Instagram at RetroFFPod. The website is RetroFantasyFootball.com. Dynasty Strudel Fellas, would work. No. I could go with like Dynasty Toaster Strudel. <laughs> Just go straight Dynasty Strudel. Ooh, uh, that's yes. pretty good. Please. Dynasty S'mores Pop Tart? That's my go. Oh, uh, it's strawberry, sure. dude. It's the strawberry. Oh. Come on. Come on now. It's all about the strawberry. Oh, yeah. Strawberry's mm. where it's at. S'mores is where it's nah. at. Uh, Look for the poll on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, so I grew up skip. eating strawberry, but that oh, was because yeah. I wasn't allowed to eat yeah. s'mores because it was basically dessert. Yes. Yes. Uh, we will skip news on tonight's show. Not much has changed in the past couple of days. We are talking about running backs 13 through 14 in the rankings. And a reminder to the listeners, you can find those full rankings 
up on the website. Uh, they're up there and they are live. All right, boys, on to running back number 13. We are talking about the best offense in football, obviously, is the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, not, Whoa. Just I'm an Eagles fan. We're talking about Miles Sanders, guys. He comes in at the ranks as follows. Okada is at 11. I am at 10. John's at 13. And, and guys, you know, with Miles Sanders, the argument that you're going to hear from everyone out there is, okay, well, he was great last year. Um, he was an RB1 when he was on the field, but it took him a while to overcome Jordan Howard. He really only produced when all of the wide receivers, and I mean all of the wide receivers, were injured last year, um, which are, is true. But the, the upside that he has flashed for me, combined with the fact that these wide receivers are still going to be injured this year. I mean, no one's talking about this, guys. Alshon Jeffrey is going to start on Pup. I don't think he'll be himself at all this year. Deshaun Jackson is literally always injured. I know he's coming off of a surgery that I've said I feel relatively confident in. But the overall body of work is not great from an injury perspective for Deshaun Jackson. Marquise Goodwin comes over. He ended last year on IR. Knee and toe injuries and has a lengthy concussion history. And then they have rookies in Jalen Rager and late round flyers. Like, guys, I don't know that people are really factoring that in to Miles Sanders' draft price. I think he's locked into the top 10 this year. Well, uh, I don't know if he's locked into the top 10 because technically I have him at 11. However, that is all that I can really say negatively to anything you just said because I love Miles Sanders. I am all aboard. Uh, I don't believe in the Doug Peterson doesn't want to use a lead running back situation. Um, it's because he's had a bunch of crap, and right now he has a bunch of crap, and then Miles Sanders. And it will make very little to no sense for him to give lots of touches to anybody else in that backfield. Or anybody else on that team, for yeah. that matter. Yeah, not just the backfield. Because there's nothing. Yeah. yeah, so I expect Miles Sanders to have a very, very healthy mix uh, of work in both sides of the game. And be very productive for fantasy. I am drafting him all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I've got him at 13 only because there's 12 guys that I just like a little bit more. Like, the two or three that are right in front of him, it's all so close. Like, it's it's so close in that tier. Like, we're going to be talking about RB2s tonight. Miles Sanders, for me, even though he's at 13 in our ranks, hmm. is still an RB1. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like there's about 14 guys that are, like in the RB1 range and the back end of RB1 and separating the high end RB2, the point difference could be pretty negligible, like for what, what we're talking about by the end of the year. So he's, he's one of the guys remaining on our list that I think is, is a true every down back, a workhorse that will carry a majority of the touches that they'll get Boston Scott involved just because you don't want to give Miles Sanders 300 carries. You want him to be at like 225 like 225 to maybe 250 on the top end. But his receiving work is going to be fantastic. So, yeah, I've got him ranked at 13. He could absolutely finish, I don't know, as high as 8, like if things go right for him. So, you know, I, he's he's great. We love him. Um, his only competition is Boston Scott. They didn't draft anybody. They didn't bring in any of the vets I mean, I guess technically Devontae Freeman is still out there, but if he comes in, it, it's just as a backup. Like at this point, there's a reason he's not signed. So, yeah, we, we all love Miles Sanders. We think that he's going to be awesome in his second year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, real quick, I just want to ask you guys, like the draft price is kind of concerning. I mean, it's I've expensive. done a bunch of best balls uh, this, this past uh, few weeks, and like 
I saw him go at like five overall in one Ooh, draft, like eighth player off the board, well ahead of of running backs that I have higher in my ranks. We all have higher in our ranks, and you know that's the concern for me because there's players every year this happens where like the fantasy community in general just pushes people's ADP, skyrockets them up the draft board, and I feel like Miles Sanders is that guy. Would you draft him in round no. one? What do you guys think? I wouldn't take him in the first. And he's actually going right now, according to 4 for 4. Um, he's going as the RB13 right where I've got him ranked, which makes me happy. But yeah, I have seen him. I've seen people reach for him at the back of the first. And I'm just like, man, that's yeah. that's expensive. Like, that's, that's so steep. Um, I would feel much better about him in the second as my RB2, or I would, I would be okay with drafting him as an RB1 if I got a stud like Devontae Adams. Uh, in in the first round, but I don't want him as my first player taken. So I will say I said this in the last pod. RBs basically six through twelve ish <laughs> for me are all the same. Yep. It's all one tier. Which to John's point of you know Miles Sanders is in our RB two rank, so really he's an RB one. He is for me, and I a couple of the guys that I have ahead of him by a good amount, all the way up to six, are going at the end of the first round, and I almost see them as literally interchangeable. So if you like Miles Sanders and people in your league are smart enough to draft the top receivers in the first round and not just draft 12 running backs, and Miles Sanders is still there, I would not be upset about him going at the end, very end of the first round. Alrighty. Uh, good discussion there on Miles Sanders, fellas. Next running back in the ranks for us in consensus rankings is Leonard Fournette. He comes in right after uh, Miles Sanders. At running back 14, that's where Okada has him. John's got him at 12, and it looks like I've got some explaining to do. I've got him at 21. I am not a Leonard Fournette fan this year, or honestly, it's been a while since I have been. And a lot of it is injury risk, guys. He is a player that last year I was, you know, cautioning people. Like, the ankle is not going away. The fact that he played 16 games last year, to me, is more of an outlier than what we should expect from him from a a year-to-year consistency standpoint from being on the field year prior missed a lot of time with the hamstring strain as well so for me he is a declining fantasy asset in general because of the fact that this team is going to be horrific and he is a running back that if he was going to be a pass catching back through and through i would say the volume is going to be there enough that he should be elevated probably in the top 15 but for me guys you know they signed chris thompson now can he stay on the field who knows? But I'll tell you one thing's for sure. Leonard Fournette is not getting 100 targets this year. And he's definitely not catching 76 footballs like he did last year. So if that doesn't happen in any sort of PPR format, I can't put him inside my top 15. How many touchdowns? Why is he, he not going to do those things? Why is he not going to catch 76 yeah. footballs? Yeah. What? I'm just curious. Because his career targets before that didn't top 50. Sure, but one Zeke year from f- wasn't doing much in his first two seasons. Then he caught 77 balls in year three, and he caught 50-plus last year. I don't know, man. It's, I, it's I don't trust it. I mean, yeah, they also... DJ Shark and nobody. Like, it's... Right. But Chris Thompson, they also have D.D. Westbrook. Uh, they also have... That's not going to be a thing. They also signed LaVisca <laughs> Chenault, who, okay. again, I don't know that he's going to do a lot this year. But they've talked about using him at a variety of roles. It's the same thing with Josh Jacobs and Lynn Bowden Jr. They've said they're going to play uh, Chenault at running back some. So on pass catching situations, I'm just not sure Leonard Fournette's going to be that dude. I'm willing to look at his previous 
seasons as far as what he's done in the passing game rather than this outlier that we saw last year mr regression okada over here always tells us to look for regression it's coming in the past i say to look for regression but there's also the chance for players to break out in categories and change like we saw zeke do and like i expect mixing is able to do because he has those pass catching chops I Fournette is a fine pass catcher. Clearly, he caught 76 of 100 targets. Clearly, he has the ability to do so. And he finished as the RB9 last year, I want to say. Was it higher than that? Uh, I will look it up. I want to Nine. Say s- I have it. You have it? Okay. RB9 on the back of three touchdowns. That's what I was going to touch on. Three total. Zero receiving yeah. Three rushing. He can lose 30. That's how, that's how you get up to three. He can lose 30 targets, but if he's in the six to eight touchdown range, instead of that random super low three outlier number. And by the way, they were kind of playing the quarterback carousel a little bit last year. They're going in knowing that Gardner Minshew is the guy. I feel like they have just a slight, slight uptick in offensive performance because there's a little bit of continuity there. Um, Talking about regression, I expect his touchdowns to positively regress. Um, so if he has six touchdowns... To progress. progress. Don't, conf- don't confuse the people. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't, don't start that. Um, so yeah, I expect his touchdowns to increase. And if he loses a little bit off the passing game, I still feel like... So so hold on. He's not going to catch 100 balls is what you're saying. Or he's not going to have 100 targets and not going to catch 76 balls. And that's going to come down a little bit. He was in firmly inside the a RB1. Lot. And you think that he's going to fall outside the top 20? Because his passing work is going to go down a little bit? he's going to come down bit. a lot. A lot. If you cut and it in injury half. injury is a big concern. Okay. So. All right. The injury, I'll, I'll give you the injury. Um, He's been battling. I don't know. I, I just don't. I don't trust. The Jag, like I don't want the running back on the worst offense in football. That's where I'm coming they from. They were bad he last catch, year too. He can catch 50 footballs this year, and that's fine. But are they going to have been scoring? Like they were 26 in scoring last year. I don't like. They were on the level of Pittsburgh. What were the and Giants? Denver. The Giants were 19th. Saquon. But Saquon also missed time. So that's where I'm at. You know, I'm just not going to draft him. That's where if he's like my running back three, fine. I can even take him as a back end RB2, fine. But he's going above that. And I just won't own him this year. And that's kind of my stance on Fournette. I feel like in fantasy, you you make that stance on certain players. That's where I'm at. If he falls to me, fine. But I'm not going to target him in my draft. And to be fair, it's worth keeping in mind that Betts is a silly goose. So... (laughs) It's true. This is you know, facts. <laughs> uh, also, find me on Twitter at the silly goose. The fantasy we goose. all need separate Twitter accounts, or just our troll accounts. Dynasty toast. <laughs> yes, the silly goose. Dynasty toast. Oh, I love it. That'll just be the stash. Yes, at at dynasty stash. Love it. Uh, all right, boys. On to our fifteenth running back here. It is. Todd Gurley with the Atlanta Falcons. Mm. Okada's got him at 17. John and I have him at 16. So we're all kind of right there, which is kind of interesting because I feel like Okada has been pretty vocal of being the most in on his upside, which I find interesting that he has in the lowest in our rank now. Lowest, air quotes. It's one spot. But uh, Okada, what do you think, man? Todd Gurley this year, a value where he's going, or do you feel like there is major risk with him? Yeah, um, I think that a lot of the talks we've had about him have been in what uh, predictions episodes or potential uh, values episodes and things like that. 
And here's the thing. Todd Gurley's ADP, if you're gonna if we're gonna take four for four as our guide, which everybody you can try to get your ADP wherever you want. Right now it's a bit of a hot mess because it's basically best balls and leftover dynasties, and that's it. So it'll get more reliable once we get closer, but he's going at RB15, which is actually right where we have him in consensus and a little bit ahead of where I have him. So that makes me a little concerned. I guess people are coming around to the truth of the fact that he can't have fallen off as much as everybody thinks, I don't think, as fast as people think he has. So that thought process is seemingly now, yeah, exactly. John's trying to work it out. I, I don't even know what <laughs> I said, John, but the point math. is, oh my gosh, exact. The point is, <laughs> this is a young running back with more talent than almost any other player in the league who had a, a bad year, uh, a year that ended with injury, and then a bad year in which he was coming back from that injury. And after the first six weeks, when he was really bad, actually ended up being pretty decent. On a very good offense, as good or better than the offense he was on the last few years, certainly than they were last year. That's in L.A., that is. Um, the Falcons are going to be great. I think he's going to have a great shot, a lot of touchdowns. I have him behind uh, several guys that are closer to the RB1 tier because of the risk that is still there. But I 100% would be not not only not surprised, but I'd be like, oh, that yeah, that makes sense if he finishes an RB1 or even a top six running back to be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, the only thing, the only thing keeping him from being an RB one right now for everybody is the risk of injury. That's, that's it. Like yep. if you look at his 100%. body of work over the last few years, what he's done, his ability to score his ability in the passing game, going to a high flying offense now in Atlanta, like he should be an RB one, but people are just concerned that his knees are just going to completely blow out. And that or already completely or already blown, blown, out. blown out, and that you know Todd Gurley's career is done. Like that's what people are making it sound like. They're like he's shot, he's toast, the knees are gone. It's he's never coming back. He's just you know he's he's done for. It's like he still put up how many touchdowns last year? I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me. It was double digits, sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, it was I a think. lot. Like it was still a lot of touchdowns. Um, I think sixteen sounds right. Um. His ability, 14. Okay. His ability in the red zone is fantastic, both as a rusher and as a pass catcher. Um, I feel like he's going to get that work down there. They love targeting their running backs. Devontae Freeman, when he was healthy, caught a lot of passes in that offense. I expect Todd Gurley to do more of the same. So if he's healthy, yeah, he should be an RB1. He still was last year. Didn't he finish at 12? Like, I, I'm pretty sure he finished so, like, yes. as an RB1. And people are just proclaiming him dead it's like he's not and he went to a really good offense so i, I mean yeah I, I have him where he is because there's a little bit of injury risk built in but if he is fully healthy and plays all 16 and by the way that one-year contract that they have him on they're gonna ride him into the ground like it's it's all or nothing with them because they're not really planning on bringing him back it doesn't sound like it's a one-year deal and then i bet they draft a, a rookie next year that they expect to come in and take over. Yeah. So they're just going to yeah. run them until the tires fall off. And if they don't fall off, that's great for fantasy. That's true. Yep. The, I'm very comfortable with this ranking among all of us because I think we all understand that the upside is a surefire every week, plug and play, set it and forget oh, it running back. What? Okay, quick question and before you move on from that. If he plays 16, if you're guaranteed for 16, what does he finish? 
in my projections right now, based off the numbers alone, he comes out as running back seven. Yeah, I think he could get higher than that even. But if he plays 16... Because you know what? I cannot give touches to Ito Smith. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. And I just want to point out, too, last year, Devonta Freeman, who... Like, I love Devonta Freeman. He was fantastic in fantasy. But at this stage of his career, I think he's done. I think he's done. But he finished his RB21 last year on receiving alone. So to me... Todd Gurley's floor is probably RB20, RB22, something like that. Like, even if you don't believe in the health and you don't believe in the effectiveness, and and I get it, the numbers say that he wasn't great last year, but guys, Devonta Freeman, RB21 last season. So, yeah, the volume's going to be there. The only question mark, like you guys said, is can the knee hold up? I have genuine concerns about that, but I think his draft price for the upside he Mm -hmm. brings is definitely fair. I've seen him go like in the fourth round. Sometimes fifth round. I don't know how accurate that ADP is, but that's where I've seen him go in my drafts. So at that price, yeah, totally take a risk on Todd Gurley. All right, boys. Next running back here in the rankings is Melvin Gordon. Okada at 20. I am at 15. John at 17. I feel like I've been pretty vocal about being more in than out on Melvin Gordon so far this year. And the rankings obviously reflect that. Now, listen, there is risk, no doubt about it. We've talked about this offense, and and I think people in general out there are so hyped out of their freaking Mm. mind with Drew Locke and the Broncos, and I don't think we are that level. Now, in Dynasty, that's super interesting, but for 2020, I'm concerned. However, they brought in Melvin Gordon. They had Phillip Lindsay in-house, who has been effective, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, and they still said... Let's go out and sign Melvin Gordon and pay him $8 million a year. So he's getting paid starter money. The reason I can't put him higher than 15 is because I don't think he's going to have the workload right. that guys like even Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, etc. have. But he's super effective in the red zone. And for me, I think when they get close, he's getting the football. I think he'll find the end zone and put up 8, 9, 10 rushing touchdowns this year. And that alone is going to keep right. him in the mid-range RB2. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't hate it. Listen, I've talked about this in the past. I believe I was the one to call the Broncos one of my offenses to avoid, and I meant the whole thing, including Melvin Gordon, because I have him ranked below where he's going in drafts. I have him at 20. I think he's going to lose a lot of work to Phillip Lindsay, and I think that this offense is not going to be as good as the Chargers offense was, and therefore will not be able to get him the touchdowns that he has gotten in order to be an RB1 in recent years. And honestly, there's like just a a bad feeling in my gut about Melvin Gordon. Like, I just have this bust feeling in my gut. Like, we had about Le'Veon Bell when he went to the Jets. Like, the last time we saw Le'Veon Bell when he went to the Jets, he was still one of the best running backs in the NFL. There was no competition for carries. Uh, Granted, it was a bad offense, but a lot of people were in on it. And they were like, well, we're going to see Le'Veon Bell come back. And we had just a no thank you feeling about him and he was trash i'm getting similar vibes on melvin gordon this year i i'm not going to be drafting him anywhere if you draft him i'm not going to shame you and i do have him ranked as an rb2 so you know it's not terrible but i just don't i think it's going to be messy in denver this year yeah i had moved him down right before the show just a spot just a scooch to uh to 18 uh in my rankings um it's really interesting because I can kind of make arguments in both, side of the, by both sides of the fence when it comes to Melvin Gordon in that backfield. I can say they went out, they got a free agent to give him a multi-year contract and give him starter money. He's the starter. 
I can also make the argument Philip Lindsay was an undrafted free agent and has back-to-back thousand-yard seasons with really great efficiency metrics. Like everything about it looks fantastic. So I can either say he's the starter coming in because they paid him like one and they gave him a multi-year contract, or it's going to be a timeshare because Philip Lindsay is there and he's been really effective. So it's it's kind of tough for me to decipher what that exact combo is going to look like. Um, I don't know that his touchdown production is all that safe because I do have very big concerns about this offense. I, I would love to go from now until September. I just, I don't want to talk about Drew Locke anymore. I, I don't, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want to have to talk. Sign me I don't want to have to talk about Drew about Locke <laughs> anymore. I'm done. Like it's, we get it. They drafted players. He started five games against trash defenses and was okay. Like it, it come on, slow yes. down. Yes, Kansas yes, yes. City, I, I know it was a snowy game, but Kansas City held him to under 100 yards passing. Kansas City, not a great secondary. Like, I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. So, anyways, Dynasty is one thing. There's a lot of pieces there for Dynasty that I enjoy. Redraft 2020, oh boy, it could like it could go bad. It could go really bad in a hurry. Um, I don't think also, that it will, but it's possible. Yeah. To to the point that you were kind of bringing up on a previous pod, it might have been it was last week I think, or last pod. Um, he did not get elite starter money. He did not go and get the contracts that CMC right. and Zeke, uh, and even Bell got. His money is closer to Austin Eckler's money than it is to those guys. I he got he eight and, million a year. For I think two he years. and the tag that Kenyon Drake signed are the same thing. Almost the same, exactly. Yeah. So so. <clears throat> they didn't go like out and he got like a Zeke. good money, yeah, right. But they didn't go out and pay him to be a bell cow. They went out and paid him to be part of a backfield along with Philip Lindsay. Right. I think, and that's kind of what I see happening. And I don't think that the touchdown ceiling is there for a lot of the other guys in this range. Um, you know, I'm up, gonna have to move him down, guys. I know, I know. Up until about a month ago, that's the best part you of you talk shows. yourself through it, right? It's a lot right? of adjustments. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, it is fun. It's fun to do that and have those those thoughts where you go, oh, I just said that, and that doesn't sound great. Maybe I need to tinker with that a little bit. I had him <laughs> above Todd Gurley as of about a month ago, and then I was like, no, no, he's got to be below Todd Gurley. And now I'm like, he should probably be quite a bit below Todd Gurley, like the more that I think about it, because it is going to be a backfield split. I don't think the scoring opportunities are going to be there for him to have high ceiling. Like, Gurley has ceiling for days like Gurley can be top six potentially if everything goes right for him if everything goes right for Melvin Gordon I don't know that he cracks the top 12 I think that's fair I was going to say the number that came to mind while you were talking like if everything goes right was like running back 11 like I agree like that's somewhere around there is probably right so I have him ranked close to there which means I'm not going to be I'm probably not going to be like reaching for Melvin Gordon in my drafts if he falls to me again as an RB2, that's great. And this is actually a good conversation. The names in this list, there's not a lot that I'm like, oh, that's my RB2. Like, yes, please. Hmm. I think this year's draft strategy, and it's going to be relatively common, is either go RB, RB, where you're getting someone like, you know, um, a Dalvin or a Zeke. Yeah, like that kind of like tear break, basically, where uh, those two are great. And then you just stack wide receivers like crazy in rounds like three to six. And they're, they're all... So high-end wide receiver yeah. twos yep. like they're all great so you know like if you could tell me i could have dj Moore, one of these running backs dj Moore every day of the week like there's just i don't know that just feels like that this year and so i have that 
I guess stigma is the right word or whatever about these running backs. That's how I feel. Obviously, we have to rank them because that's what we're doing as the show. But I just want to put that out there. Like that's one of my favorite strategies. I think for yeah, for the drafts, the drafts right, have boys. been a part of like if you don't yeah. go RB early, like one or two of them in the first two rounds, I hate my team. It's like congratulations. Mm, I'm really yeah. excited that I got Tyree Kill. About David Montgomery? Yeah, but I'm excited that I went Tyree Kill <laughs> and then in the second round got Julio. And that feels like super dirty and I'm super excited about it. And then, yeah, your RB1 is like David Montgomery, Philip Lindsay. And you're like, ah, no. But if you go RB early, the guys that you're getting in, in the third round, fourth round, like feel like they could give you wide receiver one production. Like they're... There's so much value in the third and the fourth round at the wide receiver position, and there's a big, big tear break, in my opinion, in the running back ceiling between Ooh, yeah. those rounds. So, yeah, I'm, I'm loving going RB early. I know I'm a running back guy, but, like, it's, it's way different. Yeah, no, I definitely like that for sure when I've done best balls, uh, no doubt. All right, boys, number 17 in our ranks. This is going to be a little bit of a... A good discussion, I think, because Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you know, Okada's done the waving arms thing that we were freaking out about. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, like, so happy, so excited when he got drafted, which, John, we were. I rotator cuff right there. <laughs> but, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> you got to stretch it out I, first, I don't know man. how Okada does that, man. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. I'm 30. I'm old now. But, yeah, fair point. But, you know... He did get taken in the first round of the draft. He was the first running back off the board. He's going to the best offense in football. There's a lot to like about Clyde Edwards-Elaire. He's a fantastic pass-catching running back. I have him at 14 because I think the upside is there. Okada has him at 21. He's 17. John has 17 him at 18. I bumped him above Melvin so, before the show. Okay, I just lied. John <laughs> does not have him at 18. <laughs> so John's, I guess, kind of splitting the difference between the two of us. Closer to me, basically. But... You know, like, guys, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he was being compared to Brian Westbrook in an Andy Reid offense. And you can tell me. By Andy Reid. Not a journalist. By Andy Reid. Yes. Thank you very much. He also said he's better than him. And Andy Reid, he he said it. He He said said it. And Andy Reid. Coaches say a lot of things. Typically. Shh. Shut your face. (laughs) Typically comes out and uses one running back. Now. We've seen really subpar talent. Again, not to hate on anyone as a running back or a talent, but Spencer Ware was productive. Chuck Hendrick West West. was productive in this offense. Like, guys, if he's the lead running back, he is going to be a top 10 running back. At some point, whenever he takes over, he is going to be a top 10 running back. So I think ranking him at 14 for me, while it might be a slower start, I feel really good about it. Okay, two things. Number one. Okay. 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 Saying that Andy Reid uses one running back is like the converse of saying, uh, "Who did we? He does. Who did we say uses only two? Uh, always uses multiple. Run- uh, Doug Peterson is the converse Doug of saying Doug Peterson only uses multiple backs because Andy Reid uses one running back when he has Brian Westbrook, Lashawn McCoy, or Jamal Charles." Of course he uses one running back when he has those guys. They were the best running backs in the league when he had them. It's the it's the exact opposite <laughs> of Doug Peterson. Now look at his offense the last couple years when he's been messing around with Damian Williams and all the other D. Williams. Yeah. And it's just been a mix. And listen, is CEH the most talented? 
out of the gate on that in that backfield? Probably. Oh, I would say oh, probably. Yes, he is. Damian Williams Okada. has been very yes, good the is. past couple years. Very effective. Uh, with the Chiefs. Just like people were, sure. were crapping on Kenyon Drake when he was on the Dolphins, and then we've seen him break out. Damian Williams is a, a good running back. So, again, again, I said probably. I said, but it's not. Okay, so this is part two. All right, so that was part one. This is part two. And I'm going to throw this out okay. there, okay, as my CEH and Jonathan Taylor counter. So Stop. just listen to this, John, and then it'll roll into the Jonathan Taylor talk. Okay? Okay. When Zeke came in, when Saquon came in, those guys were coming into teams with no other running back, and they were a highly drafted running back, top 10, and they destroyed. I would like to take you back two years. Three, technically, if you want to count the seasons. Who is the number one running back in fantasy right now? Without question. Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. Three years ago, when he was a rookie, after being drafted eighth overall, he got 117 carries and 435 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me who the running back was that was stealing his work? Stewart. Jonathan Stewart. Jay Stewart. Okay, boy. this is what we are looking at. And, and Cam Newton, by the way. Cam, what, we are, Cam. what we are looking at in Kansas City and in Indianapolis is better than it's a, a upgraded Jonathan Stewart situation. These guys are guys that have produced for these teams that are good running backs, not great. And they drafted these new running backs because they know that the guy they have is not really the long-term answer and they want to find a legit RB1 of the future. But they're not going to get 250 carries out of the gate. They're not going to get 250 carries as a rookie. Now, Christian McCaffrey managed to be an RB2 based off the fact that he caught 80 receptions. I don't think CEH is getting 80 receptions. And there's no way Jonathan Taylor is getting 80 receptions. But would you... But is that in the realm of possibility? 80? Do you think he has yes. that upside? Yeah. Yes. No. Not yes. unless Travis Kelsey gets hurt. This sounds like a bets, bets. <laughs> you want to put the right over now. under at 80? No, I'm not, not going to say that. No, I don't want to put it at 80. It's in the realm of possibility, though. But I think... For sure. Yeah. They went out... They I, asked I Patrick like, Mahomes. Is there official Vegas line yet? Oh, oh, what I do you? Seen. I'll tell you what. Bets, you go look at that. I really imagine it's probably not. You look and okay. see what you can find. <laughs> um, they ask. So you have everything that you're hearing from Andy Reid, from the head coach. Uh, you also heard it from Eric Bieniemy. They asked Pat Mahomes who they should draft. He texted back and said, "Ceh." The the quarterback of yes, the most high powered offense in the NFL wanted him on his team, asked for that weapon, and they gave because it to Because he him. was the best pass-catching running back in the draft. Exactly. No holds barred. That's Absolutely. Not the There's yes. no question. There's no question that he was the best pass-catching <laughs> running back in the draft. What a wonderful I'm not, point. I'm not, that's not up for debate. The problem is that just because he wanted the best pass-catching running back, which makes perfect sense, yeah. doesn't mean that guy is going to get 80 catches as a rookie. So, let me put it this way. Before, before the draft happened... I'm going before, to. I'm saying it's in the realm yes, of possibility. before the draft happened, before we knew that he went to Kansas City, do you guys remember a former fantasy football star that I compared CEH to? Do you remember when I said that he could be this kind of player in the NFL? Mm-hmm. I don't... 
Matt Say the name Forte, at all, remember. Matt Forte is what CEH reminded me of coming out. I like out. that. I don't as, hate that. As a PPR weapon, as someone that is a good runner. Like, Austin Eckler is a great PPR weapon because he catches passes. He's not a great runner. Like, he's not. He's not an elite running back. CEH is a very good runner, too. He's shorter than people want to give him credit for. But did you know that he came into the combine? I think it was three pounds. Three. Lighter than J.K. Dobbins. Three. They're not 20 he's pounds stocky. apart. He's he's built. Those trunks, man. Those thunder thighs are freaking fantastic. <laughs> he is so built. He's so <laughs> agile. Put that on a thunder shirt. Thunder thighs. <laughs> um, he's so built from the waist down, and he's so quick. Makes people miss. You get him the ball in space, and the stadium like catches their breath. They're like, what's he going to do now? Anytime you get him out on the outskirts, he matches up against linebackers and just roasts them. He toasts them. He's absolutely fantastic in space um, as a runner, as a dump-off option, as a screen weapon. Line him up in the slot and let him go to work. The amount that he's going to catch underneath, because the defenses are accounting for Tyreek Hill, Mikkel Hardman, Travis Kelsey, CEH is going to be underneath and be like, oh, all I've got is these two linebackers within 30 yards of me. I can I can make, make hay with that. I think that he's going to be absolutely phenomenal in the NFL. Yes, this is a weird offseason. Yes, there is still one of the D. Williams people in the backfield. I'm not in on him like Okada is. I'm just More not. than one of them. Well, yeah, but the second doesn't matter. But... In my opinion, he Sorry, takes Darryl. over. Like he's he's gonna start the year as the pass catching option, like straight up. Like he's gonna get that. I think out of the gate, the pass catching is gonna be there from the very beginning, and then he's gonna start eating into the rushing work, and then he's gonna take over the gig. Like that's the way that I see it taking place. I think that he, you know, first round draft guy, every single box that you could want checked is there for him, and I think that he's gonna be fantastic, especially in PPR formats as early as this year. Yep, I'm in. Uh, you know, Okada. I, I don't know, man. Like, do you have anything to say about? Like gotta, do, you have to, do you have anything to say about Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Stewart? Because I'm still waiting for a good response to that. Yes, because Jonathan Stewart was an established player on that team for years. He's a good running back for years, but a bad one. A good no, running Jay back. Stu was good. No. no, he was good. He was not. Okay, he was oh, average boy. Jay Stu was a good running back in his. All game. right, bets, bets sheet, receptions total. I couldn't find anything on an actual sports book, so. What do we say, like, Okada, what do you think about, like, 54 and a half? That's actually right where I was going to put You it. guys think that he can hit 80, and you want to tell me 54 and a half is the line? I said that's in the realm of possibility. Okay, but if that's in I'm the realm of possibility, that. 54 and a half feels low. Fine, I'll give you 60 and a half. Fine. 60 and a half. 60 and a half. Take it. Take Matt it. Forte had 63. Give me 62 and a half. Fine. 63 is a rookie. 61 and a half. <laughs> All right, 61 and a half. Sold to the Look highest bidder. That's how you make money, John. <laughs> Woo! Haggled him. Lock it in. It is on the sheet. That's like that's like when your dad. <laughs> well, that's like when your dad place. goes to the uh, to the car lot and he's like, "I know that you want 20 for that. Uh, you know those those wheels. They're just uh, they're not really quite up to where I'd like them to be. I'll give you 19 eight. Like, <laughs> come on, dude." Yep. The guy's like, oh, shucks, twist yep. my arm. Okay. <laughs> like, that's what just happened. Fantastic. Good stuff. Pretty much. All right. 61 and a half receptions is on the dock. Uh, fellas, this is a good place to pause for just a second and let everyone know about 
I don't even want to call it a sponsor. I just want to let everyone know about Patreon, man. Mm. Um, Patreon.com slash redshirtspod is the link. What you get when you go there is access to good people, man, who love our podcast and love our show and support our show. <laughs> and you're going to be able to play in leagues with these guys that are fantastic. You get access to the Slack channel, which is my favorite part of what we offer. Is just like the community. We're literally talking with these guys like every single day um, about football, about trades, about just random stuff. So come join the community. Check it out at patreon.com slash RetroidsPod. And coming very soon are full projections only for our Patreon subscribers. We have top 200 overall rankings, again, only for those subscribers. My DFS and betting content, so much more coming to Patreon. So check that out. Now is the time to get in at patreon.com slash RetroidsPod. All right, boys, we are on to our next running back here. It is a rookie. It is a man that we don't really need to have any introduction about. It is Jonathan Taylor. Now, John, I have to put a, a cap on how long we can talk about yes. this, okay? what's the cap? Because we know that you love him. We have to keep this like five minutes. Whoa! Here, that is a long time. Here's my I'll keep, five I'll, minutes. No, 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 no total all, discussion. All three of us. Yeah, yeah, all three of us. But so Matt, that's not good. That, John can talk for four minutes and 59 seconds then. What do you mean? No, oh, no I'll be I'm going to keep fine. talking right now right. so John can't. It's already started. So Okada already gave his. Let True. me just let me kind of come where I am. So, like I've got him at 22. Okada's got him at 24. So I'm kind of with Okada. I've said this before. I think you're drafting Jonathan Taylor, understanding that he is going to be way better in end of October, November, December, when it matters most for your fantasy team, you're not going to get the true ceiling in the first month. And that's why I have him lower. But again, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, in my eyes, he comes out and steals a job mm-hmm. from Mac. Okada. Oh, I already said my thing. Okay. Marlon Mack <laughs> is Jonathan Stewart, but Okada? at least he's good. <laughs> at least he's good. Okay, you so, Jonathan Stewart truthers. So here's the thing. I have him by far the highest of the bunch. I have him at RB15. Um, Shocking. I know. Color me surprised. <laughs> but I, I think it's valid. I think that behind <laughs> this offensive line, I think with the game strips that they're going to have, I think they've got a very good defense. Um, I don't think they're going to want to ask Phillip Rivers to go out and sling it 35 times. They don't have the weapons for that. It's going to be a run-heavy game. Like, that's what they want to do is play defense. Frank Reich, old-school football coach, you know, kind of in the same vein as, like, a Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. They want to try to play defense and, and grind the ball. I think that's what they're going to be looking to do, and it's why they traded up to get Jonathan Taylor, uh, the first running back from Wisconsin. I think that Chris Ballard's ever taken, and he went to Wisconsin. I think that was the story. I uh, might be wrong on that, but... Jonathan Taylor, 3,000 yards, uh, or I'm, so, I'm sorry, 6,000 yards in three seasons um, at University of Wisconsin. Production's there, measures, measurables are there. Uh, tore the roof off the combine with a 4.3940. At that size, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he, you know, he looks, he's built like Saquon from the waist down. It's insane. Um, he's incredible. He's exponentially better than Marlon Mack. The way that you rank Jonathan Taylor going into the season, I completely agree with what Bet says, has to do with when you think he's taking the job. Like, that's what it's going to be. Because I don't think that he's coming out week one and, and getting 20 carries. It's not. Now, I think it's within the realm of possibility that he and Mac, the first week, could maybe split it, like 50-50. Like, I think that Jonathan Taylor could get 10 to 12 carries in the first week. And if he gets 10 to 12 carries in the first week, against Jacksonville, by the way, um... And he turns those 10 to 12 carries into, 
60, 80 yards and a touchdown snaps off one good one. Um, oh boy. Like things might get interesting in that backfield quicker than people think. I still think you're looking at John's pants are pants. off in the third quarter. <laughs> oh, dude. The second that he hits, I mean, you know, you know, I'm going to When he runs out of the tunnel, the pants are off for John. (laughs) I'm going to get those rip away basketball pants. And just every every single time we talk about Jonathan Taylor, I'm just going to just rip those things. Um, So it all depends on when you think he's going to take over that job, because I don't think he's taking it week one. But it's absolutely possible that it only takes him a couple weeks. I mean, it could be week two, week three that he is all of a sudden getting majority of the work. So I don't think this is like a Miles Sanders situation where you didn't see it until the second half of the season. I don't think that that's the case. I think it's going to be sooner than a lot of other people might project it to be, which is why I've got him at the RB15. Because once he gets the job, like I feel like the dude's going to be an RB1 on a week-to-week basis when he gets the job. Behind that offensive line and the talent that he has... I think he's going to be an absolute stud in the NFL. It's just a matter of when that happens. But again, it's all going to depend on ADP and where he's going and where you have to take him at and how much risk you're willing to take. Because if you have to draft him as your RB2 or if you go super wide receiver heavy and you're looking at him as your RB1, there is a lot of risk there about when he's going to end up taking over that gig. So I would feel much better about it if I could get him as my RB2 for sure hopefully three, depending on how the league goes, um, and then go from there. But um, dude's a stud. I love him. Uh, I will say one last thing in parting that may not be the parting word, because I'm sure John will try to sass me about it. But one quick reminder to everybody about both these guys, because I think that we came into the NFL draft being like, we really like these prospects. And for the record, we all love these prospects. Jonathan Taylor and CEH, both very talented. I'm sure they will both be RB1s in a few years at the latest. They did not go in the top 10. Mm -hmm. They did not go in the top 20. Yep. Jonathan Taylor did not go in the first round. Mm -hmm. He went 41st overall. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a little bit of blindness that the Dynasty community and fantasy community has put on to that. Because we loved Jonathan Taylor, production profile's insane, and then he went to a good spot. And we were like, all right, cool, we're good. He's the RB1. We love it. Put him on your roster right now. It's worth noting that draft capital matters for running backs in the NFL and in fantasy. And he went 41st. He was not a first-round pick. I'm just throwing that out there. I still love him, and I still think he's going to be an RB1. Just something to consider as far as how soon is he going to take the job. Yeah, he didn't get the capital yeah. of like no, Zeke or Saquon. Too. Like he didn't get no. those those draft yeah. capital. Or even McCaffrey. Or even McCaffrey. Like that's yeah. that is valid. Yeah, his but at the same time, his draft capital says this is his team sooner than later. At some point, it might not be out of the gate. Like with CMC and like Saquon. Like it's just like you know this is your team now. In. Like this is their yes, team. Yes. True. So I agree. It might not be right away. And I think that's what we're all saying. It's just a matter of when you think it happens. Also worth noting, he did go after DeAndre Swift. So I'm not saying that that's a factor for what we believe, but he was the third running back off the board. So, you know, take it for what you want. If you believe in NFL teams knowing what they're doing, then that's an argument in your favor. But I think we all agree that the upside is massive with Jonathan Taylor. It's just a matter of, of when you think he takes over. All right, boys. Next running back, number 19 in the consensus ranks. I've got him right at 19. It's David Johnson. John at 30. Okada at 15. You two gentlemen oh. need to have a little discussion here about this player. Oh. Go ahead. I mean, this is tough because we have had this discussion a few times now. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, for the most part, I think John believes David Johnson is washed, yep. and it's been four years since he was relevant. Yep. And for the most part, I think that we saw six weeks of incredibly productive and efficient David Johnson last year in fantasy before he got hurt, and he's now on the Houston Texans, which I expect to be a decent offense that is going to potentially have to run through him a lot more than anybody would expect, especially after years of no good running backs in Houston. Uh, I mean, since the Arian Foster days, there has not been a running back who has been a true bell cow and who has been a pass-catching beast like David Johnson can be. And this team no longer has DeAndre Hopkins. They've got Brandon Cooks and a bunch of skinny guys who get hurt every third play, which, by the way, is also Brandon Will Cooks. Will Fuller, Kenny Stills. Yeah, they've yeah. got a whole receiving core of skinny guys who get hurt every play. And then they got David Johnson. I think that like if you gave me a David Johnson versus CEH receptions bet, I wouldn't even take me half a second to smash David Johnson in that. So I don't expect him to have a huge like RB top five. I don't think he's going to return to that level. But I think that he has a very high floor considering how much work he's going to get in this offense. And I think he's still good enough to make RB mid or range RB2, which is where I have him production out of those touches. John is gripping his head John. in a sad, sad manner. <laughs> he just looks so disappointed in you. David Johnson. John, would you like to speak? Yeah, or do- <laughs> I, I'm, we're fighting. I'm, I'm upset. Um, <laughs> David Johnson, it's been four years since he did anything at all. Um, everyone wants to remember those heydays of David Johnson, the heyday, the one season um, that was phenomenal. And it was absolutely incredible. I want to come out and get a thousand rushing and a thousand receiving. And he's been saying that for four off seasons in a row now. I still want to do it. Congratulations. I want a Ferrari. Doesn't mean it's happening. David Johnson looked. Not no, that David Johnson looked absolutely. David Johnson <laughs> hurt John personally at some point. I love David Johnson. I loved him a couple years back. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. He's just not that dude anymore. He was a. Old prospect coming out of college. He's already 28. I think he's 29 before the season starts or during the season. Um, during the season. During the season. Goes to during, a yep. new team, new quarterback, new scheme, new offense, Bill O'Brien. Um, an absolute garbage offense. The, the worst thing that you said was, I expect this to be a good offense. How? How? You want to know what David that, Johnson is how? You want to know what that offense is going to be? And Deshaun Watson. They're going to have one play. He's going to, Bill O'Brien's going to sit there and like look at his play sheet and scratch his chin and try to figure out what to do with the one play that's going to be on there. And it's going to be freaking Madden's four verts. That's all they're going to run every single play. (laughs) I hope so. That's all they have. (laughs) Like wide receivers they have are all the exact same player. They're all the exact (laughs) same injury prone (laughs) deep threat. That is the exact carbon copy and they just got another in Brandon Cooks I'm like dude get a possession guy like someone to work the intermediate um it doesn't make any sense the offense is going to be terrible Deshaun Watson's going to die this year like he's going to die he's going to be asked to do so much and he's not going to have his safety valve that he's had in DeAndre Hopkins so when everything breaks down and he's scrambling he's gonna have a new one no he's not because David Johnson sucks now He's slow. He's coming off injuries. Oh. He's bad at football now. He doesn't have it. He lost like okay. two steps. Let's just pause for a second. Let's just pause for a second to 
destroy this shameful no uh lie that you're building about no. david johnson <laughs> not four years ago but two years ago he had 1400 scrimmage yards and 10 touchdowns last year he had 715 and six and he got hurt very early in the season and he was on pace for way better than that before he did get hurt and then he was playing hurt now if you think he's gonna be hurt that is one thing if you think he's if, if, if you think he's gonna play with a broken back all year in 2020 of course he's not gonna be good I don't think he is going to play with a broken back in 2020. And when he doesn't have a broken back over the last two seasons, and really over the last four seasons, any time that he's been healthy, he's been very, 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 very good. So shame on you, is what I have to say. <laughs> shame on you. Um, listen, here's where I'm at, guys. Like, I can see both sides of this. I totally can. I mean, you look at, you know, I don't think we're huge, like, analytics analysts or whatever the, the word is but like people are it's such a, a growing metric in fantasy which some of it's great like i i like that a lot of that looks at running back production with age and it declines rapidly at the age of like 25 26 david johnson's 28 going to be 29 like john said now that's working in, in a negative you know situation for him but you know who else is 29 years old or going to be Carlos Hyde and Bill O'Brien is a nincompoop and put the ball in his belly 245 times last year. So, you know, like, I don't know if David Johnson's going to be good, but I know he's getting the football because Bill O'Brien is not a smart analytics driven coach. And I want to give a shout out to Kyle, lead editor for the fantasy footballers, good friend of the show. Um, He put out a great, a great study. um, And I use this often a lot on the podcast looking at like, when vacated targets go away from wide receivers, they most often go to the running back position. So this is a classic battle of does Deshaun Watson flip the script and actually target the running back position, which he has not yeah, done in his that's, career. That's, that's because why he doesn't Okada, have your, your or is going to have less receptions than David Johnson? No, and that's why. Because Deshaun Watson does not throw I to the running back. I will take that right now. I will put... I will take off the bets, bets sheet. I will take that with you straight up. Fifty bucks. I will put actual. I will put oh, actual money. John is so terrified that he froze on the screen. No, my hotspot <laughs> froze. I didn't. I was saying that I will put actual money on that one, not just on our Let's bets. Let's do it. Sheet. Ceh is more receptions than David Johnson. All right. Yeah. Okay. Twenty. I'm not even fifty. I, I, I said fifty. I'm not a wealthy man. Tw- All right. Twenty. Okay, fine. <laughs> do it. Done. Oh, that's fantastic. Put it on the side bets. But listen, guys, you know, the volume the volume should be there. It's whether or not you believe that David Johnson is toast, like John, or or <laughs> if he truly has something left in the tank. We're going to find out. But for us, running back 19. Mark Ingram comes in at running back 20. I have him at 17. Okada at 16. <laughs> John just literally got the toast picture and put it up on it his YouTube. It was everything I was imagining. On YouTube on his camera. <laughs> Yes. Oh, my God. If you're not watching on YouTube, what are you doing? Um, number 20, Mark Ingram. 16 for Okada. 17 for me. 32 you know for wow. John. He apparently is a that hater. Hating. No, John. That's a legitimate mistake. Um, he's, he's a firm. Legitimate hate? Is that what you said? No, a legit mistake. Could you come back to your microphone, I'm right, John? I'm right here. It's a legit. <laughs> oh, mistake. That was a mistake. mistake. That was I didn't adjust okay. him off the default. Um, off the top of my head, I Got would okay. say like 18, 19. Okay, that's exactly where okay, we have. So then you're right there yeah. with us. Here's the scoop, guys, with Mark Ingram. This is what you do. I love this strategy. You take Jonathan Taylor for the upside that's coming late in the season, and you take Mark Ingram for the safety Absolutely. early in the year. 
We talk about regression all the time, but you know what? This is a, an offense that even if they are not number one in terms of like production and scoring and all that, they're still going to be top 10. And with the way Lamar Jackson runs the football, the rushing leans are going to be there for Mark Ingram to still be effective this year. I think he's a safe, reliable running back too on most weeks. And when he scores a touchdown, he'll probably be a running back. Now, now, now. go ahead. I was going to ask a question about now. J.K. Dobbins. Well, before we get there, let's just make a note to the listeners that with John's correct ranking, he would probably go up to around 17 or 18 or so probably. for us. So if you're listening and you heard him get to 20, don't consider him there. Consider him at 16, 17, 18. Go to our website. What do you say about go to our website um, and look at our consensus rankings by the time you're listening to this, and you'll see where true. he actually slots in. Yes. Truth. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on J.K. Dobbins? I mean, that's that's the only argument against Mark Ingram, right? It's like they, they took this guy in the second round. Um, I, obviously, to be their future running back, like Okada was saying previously with these rookies, do you think he can overcome Mark Ingram at any point this season? Assuming health. Can, yes. I think he can. But I don't expect him to at all. Hope, I don't see any reason. Uh, yeah, I mean, this offense was incredible last year running mm-hmm. through Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram. I don't see a need to go away from that as long as Mark Ingram is still performing. It's just health. Like, that's the only thing. If if Mark Ingram... Which, has Mark Ingram ever got hurt? Uh, last year, he missed two weeks, I think. He missed two or three. Oh, that's true. Ah, uh, yeah. He missed the end of last season with a calf the very injury. End. But yeah. that was like the first time I can remember Which, that Mark Ingram... Uh, he's actually missed a few games in a lot yeah. of different seasons. Hmm, interesting. Looking at it right now. Just a little bit here and there. Interesting. Well, here's what I was going to say about that. That is a factor. Um, that's why I have him where I do. I would have him higher if, if that wasn't a factor for me. I've talked about it with T.Y. Hilton. We see the risk of recurring soft tissue injuries once a player already has one late in their career. At the age of like 29, 30, it starts to exponentially increase. So I'm not saying he's going to get hurt. I'm not saying he's not, but it certainly is a risk. And I think if that's the case and you roster Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins is going late enough that you could potentially take both running backs. Now, I'm not a huge proponent of doing that unless I like locked in, know that this offense is going to be great, but this yeah. offense is going to be great. And so I think he's a guy that I would take as a handcuff. I don't love to do that in general, but he's I one that I love. I Ingram in at 18, by the way. This is where I can put a word. Word on that. All right, number 21 in the ranks. Okada has this player at 18. I've got him at 18. John, I assume this is another mistake. It is Chris Carson. You have him at 31 in the ranks I'm looking at. Or do you hate Chris Carson? No, Your own boy. That one was one that I actually looked at and I saw him and I was just like, you know what? I, I can't I can't get him into the top 24 and I only went to 24. Um, I would probably have him closer to like 26 or something like that. But I'm so freaking right. concerned about that entire backfield in Seattle. The coming off of the injuries, the drafting DJ Dallas, the bringing in El Guapo, uh, everything... <laughs> about it, I have no idea who the running back is going to be. Like, I expect Chris Carson to get, like, the shot at it early, but if he's having a hard time with recovery, if he's not fully back to strength by week one, um, we know that Rashad Penny's, like, not going to be. He's going to start on Pup, I think. Isn't that what the the thought is right now on Penny? Yeah, yeah so it's going to be Chris yep. Carson coming off of injury and... You know, I haven't really seen anything just overtly glaring about, like, he's looking fantastic and ready to go for week one. It's kind of been like, he's doing well. Like, he's 
he's progressing. It's like, well, that's great, but it's almost July. Um, and they went in and brought in a veteran presence into that backfield that just put up a thousand yards in Houston, who was a, you know, way worse poopy running back. Yeah. Well, actually, I think their offenses, now that I think about it, are fairly comparable. Bad offensive lines, really athletic quarterbacks, and wide receivers that are, like, they had DeAndre Hopkins, you've got Lockett and DK Metcalf here. So that's actually an interesting parallel. But I I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde just kind of splitting the carries and kind of putting in something similar to a 60-40 split, leaning in either direction between them. Uh, depending on kind of who's out there for a series and if they're doing well. And it doesn't excite me, and it does nothing for me for either one of them for fantasy, but I think that Chris Carson, like, I'm so concerned about his output for this season, and I think that it's very possible that he finishes outside the top 24. Bats, what's the prognosis? Yeah, um, this is a great point. Like, there are players that when I look at them from an injury perspective – based off their injury and based off how they're progressing is how I do my rankings. So the fact that I have Chris Carson here at 18 says that I'm hesitant about going all in on him because we don't know where he's at yet in rehab. He's posted like two or three videos on Instagram and we all know that that doesn't do anything. But watching the video, he's not cutting off the the, the injured leg the way he is the non-injured leg yet. Training camp is going to be huge yeah. for Chris Carson. We're going to need to see him in football shape come week one for me to have trust in him. And that's really where my ranking comes from with him. If you told me, like, you know, going into week one, we're probably going to have full strength and full health with Chris Carson. You know, for me, he's probably up at 12. Like, he's going to get so much volume. But I can't put him there. I can't trust him there. And we've seen, again, we've seen with Pete Carroll, he'd be overly optimistic. He has not said a lot of optimistic things so far about Chris Carson, which I'm not sure what that tells us. But I'll just say, you know, the, the hip fracture probably came from inside the joint so any loading on the joint cutting pivoting turning twisting it takes time to get back to that full strength so i think 18 is kind of a hedge ranking for me yeah i mean i'll, okay. I'll probably slice if things go well if we hear good things in in training camp he'll, he'll move up in my rankings from where he is now but it's such a huge question mark i can't have him inside the top 24 yeah. yeah, and I enough. mean, I will say mine's also a hedge ranking, but I think the fact that these are the hedge rankings tells you he should be potentially a, quite a bit higher because, I mean, I would have him above both the rookies, Mark Ingram and David Johnson, and probably even Melvin Gordon if I knew he was going to be healthy. Because I think that they they want him to be their RB1, and he's been good doing that. They love him. They love him. him. Love That's why and he's done a great with job with the too. job. That's why they run with him with the fumbles. Like yeah. He puts it on the ground, and they still go back to him. Because they just love yes. that guy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Um, all right, boys. We're going to be quick on these last three. I'm going to mention the names. And then let's just pick one guy that we want to kind of discuss in a little bit more detail. We'll close out the show there. Our next three running backs are David Montgomery at 22, Le'Veon Bell at 23, James Conner at 24. Which one of these three guys do you want to discuss? I think you need to tell us about James Conner's injury prognosis as well. And then we'll pick what to talk about. Sounds good. Okay. So for James Conner, Okada's got him at 23. I've got him at 20. John's got him at 25. Listen, guys, you just look at the trend. It's not good. I put out an article last year for the fantasy footballers looking at injury trends of running backs taken in the first round relative to running backs taken in the second round, third round, etc. It is extremely high. He went overall sixth off the board last year in drafts, and I said, stay away. Do not do that. Now, part of his production or lack thereof was obviously being off the field. The other issue was Big Ben, right? 
Now you have both these guys coming off of injury. And while I think Big Ben can be healthy week one, I'm not sure he'll hold up all season. So you have that plus James Conner with the history of the high ankle sprains, AC injury, quad strain last year, calf injuries. Like, I just can't put him inside the top 19 running backs this year with that injury history. It could hit and it could be fantastic if this offense bounced back. He could be irrelevant for fantasy. That is the range of outcomes for James Conner. So I feel like we should just finish out with James Conner because we've talked about Bell and Montgomery. Bell is trash. Montgomery is boring but reliable. Conner is really interesting because if Conner is healthy and the Steelers are back to Big Ben-led Steelers and they're a top 10 offense again, this is a guy who can be an RB1 without question. But if... If, if we see another season of consistent injury problems, he's a draft bust no matter where he goes. So it's really hard to decide yeah. what to do with him. Well, let's see where he's going right now, shall we? And see how we feel about that. RB20. We shall. RB20. I don't feel good about that. Like, I like James Conner, and I think he can... What are the names around let's him? Let's find out what the names around him you are, know. Bets. Shall the we? names around him, Le'Veon Bell going one spot ahead. Gross. Shame on everybody. Don't Gross. do it. David nope. Johnson going one spot behind. Chris Carson going two spots ahead. Devin Singletary going two spots behind. Also, he basically is okay. Chris Carson, but like the limits in each direction pushed out an extra five spots or more. Yeah. So agreed. I can't draft him there. It's so it's so Can interesting. Either of you guys? It's so interesting with James Conner because the range is so wide. He could be a Massive. fantasy wide receiver one. He could be outside the top running back. 30. I'm sorry, that's what I meant. He could be a running back one or outside the top 30. Like, I have... How, how, how crazy is this? He could be a top three running back. That's not crazy. I'd say five. Exactly. I don't... Sure. I don't know Even three, that is fair. But yeah. I'd say top five top or five. utterly worthless. Or utterly worthless. But there's a lot of... There's a lot of ifs oh, about to yeah. happen, in right? Every, like, if Big Ben stays directions. healthy... If Juju, Juju ascends yep. to wide receiver yep. one, if the volume stays elevated the way it was two years ago, if Big Ben can actually be really good with that. There's just so many ifs that that range of the spectrum just seems less yeah. likely than like RB29 finish with like 12 games played. Like that seems more realistic yeah. to me. He's a perplexing player. He's a risky player. And I think if you take him, you understand the risk is there. But again, he has some upside. And there's not a lot of guys at like RB twenty no. to like RB twenty five that have that you know what? level. You of know what upside. he might be so great for, and we haven't he's, we haven't talked about perplexing. it on our on our show yet. <laughs> he might be a great Scott Fishbowl candidate. Like if you're just shooting straight mm, ceiling, yeah? like yeah. if you're just going all gas for the ceiling on everything and just shooting your shot, I might take yeah. I might take a James Conner and just hope that everything works right. Also, so I will throw this out there: he's going at around pick 41 right now overall which means he's a fourth round pick middle of the fourth round ish if you get two running backs and a receiver in your first three rounds i don't hate getting james connor as my rb3 i'd be okay with that because we just talked about the fact that you can still get another duel of great wide receivers in round five and Mm -hmm. six and then you're coming out with an rb1 and an rb2 and then a guy who can either be on your bench if he's trash or be a top five running back if everything goes right. So uh, maybe I've talked myself into being right. able to draft him. I don't like him at that running back spot, but I don't hate him at that draft spot. 
if I get two running backs in the first three rounds. So let's say you go like first round running back, Dalvin Cook, you know, something like that. Uh, yep. Second round, Julio, Julio Keenan, Keenan Allen, Allen um, sure, something like that. Third round, yep. running back, Gurley, Fournette, Gurley, Gordon, Gurley, probably. Well, I'd then probably I want feel someone. Good about Chris I'd Carson. probably want someone less risky if I'm going to go with. That's fair. Connor in the third. So uh, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. Well, Mark Ingram might be the third. Might be a little. Early that might be a Mark little Ingram. rich, but um, Jonathan Taylor. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's an interesting yes. strategy. Like it's 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 interesting. The range of outcomes, like we've said, are so freaking wide with him. And then you come back and you grab you like a Marvin Jones in the fifth or sixth. I think you can get probably even better than that. Let's look real quick, shall we, yeah. before we close out the show? We're not going to talk about wide receivers no. on the show, but we are going to eventually. I got him in the wide. I got him in the thirteenth round of a best ball draft the other day, guys. I was doing cartwheels. John, Unreal. you can get Robert Unreal. Woods, DK oh, Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, done. DJ Chark, all of them in those next couple rounds. Are you kidding me right now? All of them. Yes, Bobby yeah. Trees, baby, Bobby right. Trees. I got a new draft Please. strategy: drafting James Conner everywhere. Obligatory <laughs> Bobby Trees reference. All right. We, there it is. Hey, fellas, that is the running back rankings. If you want more detail behind the context of those names, obviously go check out the rankings. We've got articles highlighting some of these players on the website. Um, we'll talk about running back sleepers and values at some point, probably about guys that are were not on the shows the last two episodes, like maybe a Devin Singletary, maybe someone like a Raheem Moster who we've talked about. Like Those kind of names will come at some point. But we're going to keep going with our top 24 series. And so for Monday, we are back with our top 12 wide receivers. Ooh. For 2020. Until next time, follow the show at Retrots FF Pod. Okada is at Matt Okada. John is at Dynasty Beard, aka Dynasty Toast. <laughs> I'm at the Fantasy PT. Until next time, we are the Retrots. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at Red Shirts FF Pod and check out our website, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com.